Greetings, weary traveller. You find yourself in a dilapidated house surrounded by three keen board gamers. That's right, you're with the discard pile. As per usual, I'm your host, Jim. I'm maybe. And I'm Robin. In today's podcast, we'll be talking about escape room games. Robin, how would you define escape room games? <laughs> good uh, question, Amy. Yeah. Good question. It is a really good question. It's hard. Board Game Geek puts a lot of games into this category, and I definitely don't agree that they should all be in here. You know, for me, an escape room game is a series of puzzles that lead into each other, and you try to complete in a certain set amount of time. Generally, there is some sort of overarching narrative, but not a storytelling game. That's not the the important part of the game. It's just to guide you through the, the set of puzzles. I think there's a lot of different types of games that get thrown into this category. So like something like storytelling games themselves, something like time stories, which might show up on an escape room list, but definitely wouldn't be an escape room in my eyes. Something like a strictly puzzle game, like Rush Hour, the car game, or like a crossword puzzle book game. Yeah. It's a bunch of puzzles in a book, non-sequential. You can do them in any order. There's no time limit. So those aren't really escape room games. Yeah, it's kind of like there's this obvious massive obstacle that you're introduced with. And to sol- uh, to get past that obstacle, you have to solve a whole bunch of puzzles. That's really the gist of an escape room experience for me in real life. And they take that and distill it down into a box. It's an experience that you can ask someone about later and they went through the same puzzles and in general had a same the same sort of experience you did trying to go through them and every puzzle kind of has the same solution it's never open-ended generally not open-ended exactly um the last kind of game that does fall into this category on board game geek a lot is murder mystery is what board game geek calls it these are games like sherlock holmes consulting detective yeah or micro macro crime city detective city of angels also true i call these info dump games where you're presented with a bunch of information up front and you try to come to some sort of conclusion and hopefully that is the correct conclusion by the end of the game. Like most famous of which is like Sherlock Holmes consulting detective, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's definitely what I would say is the top one or another popular one, although we haven't actually played one yet, is these like murder mystery case files. Mm -hmm. So sometimes they're real life unsolved cases. Sometimes they're made up cases, but it's just a bunch of documents in a file folder. You open them up, you read them all and you guess who was the murderer. Remember when we played detective? That's a different episode. That was just really fun. It was very fun. That falls into this category as well though. For sure. Even though you don't get all the information up front, those Mm -hmm. kind of games like consulting detective kind of slowly feed you that information. But overall you're going to end up with a huge amount of uh, info and and have to make a decision judgment call yeah exactly there isn't a solution to the problem or there is but not everyone arrives there the same way Mm -hmm. Uh, before we dive into it ab played anything recently noteworthy we played age of innovation which is a terra mystica game even in the first game they've progressively made a lot of changes uh just rebalancing based on plays online um, with the expansion, uh, they've released an updated map for that. Um, and with Gaia Project, they added in a lot more flexibility in terms of the setup. So a modular map uh, in Gaia Project and a different tech progression tree that is somewhat randomized. 
Um, and I thought that was like maybe the best part about Gaia Project. So I was excited to see it added to Age of Innovation, which is taking that and strapping it to Old Terra Mystica with new names for every single building. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, so you tried a theme or an explanation of, well, it is the loosest theme to the point where it was kind of annoying to have to refer to everything as new names. As the guys here know, I wasn't the hugest fan of Terra Mystica, largely because I think I was introduced to it in a in a way that I was playing against, you know, Terra Mystica veterans, and it is a game that if you want to deep dive, if you want to do continual plays, you will guarantee get better at this game. There are like known opening moves that are regarded as the best openers similar to like chess you have certain openers you can start off with in chess in Terra Mystica there's a list of opening plays which is just statistically more beneficial for you yeah, throughout de- the game depending on the setup of the map which is the where the scoring tiles show up and what factions are available there's like a meta yeah that- so I was quite hesitant I don't really grasp well no I don't really get into Gaia Project or Clans of Caledonia, uh, for similar reasons. It just felt more of the same, but worse than Terra Mystica. Uh, but I loved Age of Innovation. I think it addressed all my concerns about um, just how little fun I had playing Terra Mystica. Uh, and I know a lot of people find it fun. I, I generally do not. Uh, but Age of Innovation, that fun factor, Wow. What it does address really well is that Terra Mystica, like just looking at the online stats, there's like certain factions that will do better. And so online you have to bid for points uh, generally when you play uh, to choose certain factions uh, just for balancing. Uh, in this one, not to say it's like totally balanced, but they've kind of nerfed all the abilities and split it up. So instead of a faction board being completely different, there's little slots that you put in your ability and your your kind of faction ability and then your one of your buildings uh, also is variable so like the power that it provides you uh, is variable as well so at the beginning of the game you choose uh that setup you through a draft what how does the draft work so there's four things you can draft mm-hmm. there is faction factions sure there is the ability your faction's strongest building can execute yeah the palace Mm -hmm. in this case your base player board yeah which is going to define which land types you're going to be looking to place your yeah workshops in what's the last thing you draft so terrain type faction and then power and there's one more starting bonus tile oh yeah yeah okay but that's that's base terra mystica Mm -hmm. yeah so, like the round tiles. We did the rule book draft, but I do want to try the like playtesters draft. Which yeah, is on that's the what I heard as well. That is a snake. The snake. Yeah. Yeah. I heard the snake is good. Yeah. It makes more sense to me to do snake as well. So, But I think what it, what it does address with the like drafting of those abilities, like splitting up into four things that you build. Yeah. Is that there is no real set path on those factions. Like every time you play, it's going to be something a little bit different. You're going to have to be a little bit nimble and, you don't have to worry that like there's this perfect combo mm-hmm. <laughs> on the internet that you you could be playing for that right. setup. Yeah, I think the better players will still be rewarded, and I think rewarded even more than they were previously because there's so many more situations you can be in. 
So playing the game more is just going to give you more advantage. Mm-hmm. But like Jim said, it doesn't require you to memorize or just have, play- you know, you don't have to memorize, just just having experience with a certain faction in a certain circumstance is something that you've seen 10 times. So you probably know how it's going to play out. Yeah. The way I approach it now is I now know what is generally good mm-hmm. to go for, as opposed to if I'm playing this faction, I should definitely be thinking about this, this, and this. Yeah. This is now, I'm going to draft my faction and I know generally doing this is good because I have all of these bonuses set up for me already, as opposed to a very predefined path. Yeah, it's cool to see. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see if other games start doing this. Well, like re-implementations of... Yeah, but just like kind of breaking up and drafting the beginning of... You know, a, some people hate the draft at the beginning of a game, and I kind of like it a lot. Well, there's also the argument of, you know, more experienced players are going to know what to value in a draft more than anyone else. Yeah. Can't get away from every disadvantage of modularizing setup like that. But I think the pros in this case definitely outweigh the cons, especially for our group, I think. Yeah, just where everything feels like pretty fresh each time. Mm-hmm. Like I can see just going back and the goal, the, the way you approach the game is is quite different. Each yeah, time. plus we, we aim to have fun in our games. And sometimes you're just trying to put together a weird combo faction that is like tunneling lizards and maybe it might work or maybe it won't but you're going to give it a try and you'll probably have fun Mm -hmm. so magic has a thing which is basically like a player type um they call them psychographics it's basically why a person plays the game and enjoys the game right right now yeah jim knows what i'm talking about so i'm a uh, I can't remember which one I am. I feel like you're, most of us are a little bit of everything. Yeah. Yeah. So the I, it's definitely something I want to talk about on a future podcast. But for example, Spike is the most notorious, which is just someone who doesn't care what happens in the game. As long as they win, they're happy. Mm-hmm. There's someone, in this case, uh, a player called a Johnny or Jenny. I think there's a female version of each of them. And that player just cares about feeling like they made something cool happen. It doesn't have to be that they won. It doesn't have to be that they made a big play but they want to make it so the game reflects something that they've created mm-hmm. and they've made something interesting that no one maybe has seen before. And this whole drafting of different unique aspects of your player faction makes it so those players get to, you know, express themselves in a different way, even if they don't care about winning, which is kind of cool. Yeah, especially when I am playing with new groups and I have had a lot of experience with the game. Uh, I try to go for weird, wacky things just to see if they work and i know a couple of people in our group do that with their first plays of the game they're like i'm not sure if they're trying to break the game specifically but they're like i'm just going to focus on this one weird edge thing and maybe it'll work out i do that because i want to try to combat analysis paralysis and if i pick a direction at the beginning of the game it really limits the amount of choices i have to make which i really love in a new game but part of it too is just like Let's take this one aspect and push it to its limit and see what happens. And you can do that in in this game. So kind of cool. And that was our play of Age of Innovation. Uh Uh-oh. We're like eight minutes into this and we still haven't gone and passed the first obstacle. That's right. We're going back to escape room games. So we understand that one controversial uh, element to escape room games is it's pretty much one and done um you play it once the mystery is gone uh and then you're kind of stuck with a bill for a one-time experience not the way we play uh, a lot of the games that we try 
we try to keep intact. So if something says cut this up, we'll try to bend it in odd ways so that we can avoid doing that. And we'll pass or it around. bend it in your mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then we pass it to the next person in the group and they go away, they do it with their family, their friends, because escape rooms really do appeal to a very wide audience. Mm-hmm. Um, but in saying that, we know that there's some people who don't want to invest a lot in a one-time game. So we've decided to order our list today in a very interesting way by price. We compiled some of the most popular escape room games and a couple of more obscure escape room games that we want to call out as as great experiences. Uh, and we've ordered this list in accessibility price-wise. Yeah, we, we wouldn't do this normally. We, we almost never talk about cost of a game because we don't know how much you're going to play it. Mm-hmm. If you buy a $100 game and play it 200 times, or if you buy a $20 game and play it three times, the cost is kind of whatever. It doesn't really matter that much. It's the amount of enjoyment you're getting out of it. And we can't tell you what is a reasonable cost for you because everyone's different. But because you only play these once, we think maybe cost does matter a little bit more. There is an interesting thing about escape room games. They all have a couple things in common. One thing is that many of them need the internet. One thing is that many of them have interest. Oh, has a validation. Yeah, a validation mm. system is different Mm -hmm. in not all these games, but they all have different ways of slightly different ways of doing it. And then some of them use the internet as their validation system and some of them do not. Some of them use the internet to do all variety of other sorts of things and some of them do not. So the first game on our list is something that Robin sold to me as an escape room game of 14 cards. Was it 14 cards? No, it was a lie. It was like 22 cards. (laughs) Yeah, it's cost $12. All these Canadian, yeah, all these prices are Canadian and from Board Game Bliss. So if you find it a little more expensive somewhere else, that's perfectly reasonable. You should just buy from Board Game Bliss. <laughs> you could just buy it from Board Game Bliss. Sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> Who is generally one of the cheaper Canadian retailers? But you know, we also would love you to support whatever local game store is near you. So the prices might be a little bit different than what we're saying here. Uh, the first one is $12. It's called Holiday Hijinks. It is about a 20-25 card escape room game that each have the theme of a different holiday. So the one we played is Valentine's Day, and you're waiting for your date, and you get locked in a restaurant, a restaurant and have to... Disco hall restaurant? Yeah, <laughs> and have to escape. But they have one for Thanksgiving, Christmas, Independence Day. For Thanksgiving, Day. are you locked in with your family? I have no idea, but that would be very funny. <laughs> They have one for Halloween, all sorts of little games. We have only played this single one. Mm -hmm. This is a three out of three difficulty is the one we played. The most. And we didn't find it very hard, unfortunately. No. Yeah. I mean, there are some odd things in it that I feel like I should call out. First and foremost, validation system requires internet connectivity on a device. And also the game itself requires some knowledge of pulp culture, which might be relevant now, but not in... 10 years so play it soon i guess (laughs) yeah we definitely didn't know all the pop cultural references but still could solve most of the puzzles yeah they also have a list of different codes that you might need to use during the game so it won't be obvious which one you'll need to use but at least for one or two puzzles in each version of holiday hijinks you might need to know the nato phonetic alphabet or you might right. need to know what you know more like it flags. gives you some cipher or something right like that. exactly yeah. yeah and we did kind of forget that those existed which is kind of unfortunate i prefer my puzzles being able to solve be solved without you know just like a key sitting on the side of the box but yeah 
I think one really good thing about it is not only is it cheap, but it really does use every bit of the card. I think each card feels at least two, contributed to like two puzzles. One was an overarching puzzle, but there was, it was, I, I just really appreciate the multi-use card nature of this particular escape room game. I thought it packed a lot within those 20, 25 cards. When it said roughly takes an hour, I was shocked that they could extend this out for a whole one hour experience. I thought it would be done in like 20 30 minutes but i think we ended up taking like 45 to 55 you know this is the cheapest on the list i don't think it's the best on the list by any means but it's worth playing one and if you enjoy it try to play another i would not worry too much about the difficulty unless you are just starting out with escape room games yeah if i was like visiting a board game store somewhere and i end up chatting to the owner of a board game store for like half an hour to 45 minutes and felt at that point i should buy something this is an easy pickup yeah, a, g- a great gift, I would say. You can yeah. put it in a card. Like, that's how small it is, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. Worth trying if you haven't heard of it, if you're super into escape room games. Otherwise, probably start with something else. Like this next one on the list. Yeah. <laughs> the next one on our list is Deckscape. I think we've all played a Deckscape. I believe yeah, I so. played two. A while ago, yeah. One was really good, and the other one was a little bit... A little bit more miss. Oh, I don't think I've played the really good one because this is definitely the worst one on this list for me. Yeah, so this one comes in at $15. One plus, though, is that no internet required. So the validation system for this is you come up with an answer, you say, this is our answer, and then you flip the card over and see if you're right. So the problem with this is that if you're wrong... You only get one chance. You get one shot at it. Uh, And if you're... They just give you the answer otherwise, which kind of feels bad sometimes if someone in your group is really strong about a certain answer you don't feel so strongly about it yourself but you want to appease them so you flip over the card and it's not what they said then you've missed out on that whole puzzle which you could have tried to solve Mm -hmm. yeah i think they kind of designed themselves in a hole with this game i think they said we want to make an escape room game that's just a deck of cards and that's it because that the game is sequential your puzzles have to be self-contained within a single card for the most part i think there might be a couple that refer to previous cards and you can pick up items in the game um but largely you're very limited on what you can explore in this escape room game and i think that means that the puzzles are less interesting they're less difficult it's like the the hardest part is just really pulling the trigger on a guess because you know you have one shot at this and that's you know a difficulty found within yourself not within the game itself so yeah this is a miss for me i don't think i'll ever pick up another deckscape but i can see what they're doing it's very compact as you said Mm -hmm. like before holiday hijinks came out if you wanted something that you can fit in your back pocket and take somewhere while you're waiting for your friends at a pub break out and just rush through it in like half an hour this is it yeah i think that's why one of them was a miss was that there was a lot of like don't really understand this puzzle and then we like tried to guess and didn't turn out great but one i think it was escape from alcatraz or something like that one like a yeah it was enjoyable it was enjoyable yeah it's good it it makes a really really good point the worst part about this system of not having any way to validate your answer except for just seeing what the answer is is that if the puzzles are bad it feels really bad when they give you the answer and it makes no sense. No sense, yeah. Yeah, they really need to make sure every puzzle 
when you flip that card, even if you didn't get it, it's still enjoyable to go, oh, that makes so much sense. We could have got that. Right. Because every time you flip the card and it's something you could never have gotten, you just feel like you're being cheated and they just wasted your time on that puzzle because you could never have solved it anyway. I agree with Jim. I do own all the deckscapes. I love the idea of like a, a deck of cards that is a escape room game and nothing else needed to play it. Um, but it's been more on the miss side than on the hit side. And yet while I do think that picking up Alcatraz and trying it out and seeing if you like it is people that like escape room games, you should do it. But otherwise, maybe skip this one. One last thought on this is that I think they missed with the theme for a lot of it. They, they have super serious themes. as Well, not super serious, but they're mature themes. And I think if this was your introduction to escape room games with like your six-year-old or seven-year-old, great. It's very fast. It's compact. There's not a lot to search for each card. It's a very great introduction escape room game, but Escape from Alcatraz and... The one I played involved some kind of murder. There's pirates, there's uh, vampires, there's... The newest one is Alice in Wonderland, which is not out yet. So that's heading in the right direction. For sure. But the problem with things like Alice in Wonderland is the puzzles become a little more fantastical. the lore? Uh, Yeah, and so not being able to solve them can be frustrating. I will say that there is a game coming up on our list that takes this idea of a single deck and does it better. For sure. Um, But before we get to that, uh, the next set of games, family of games, was actually my favorite for a long time. Um, And that is the Exit series. Exit series, $14 for one box is an insanely good deal. And I think probably one of the better games on this list. Yeah, I think these these definitely started out, there were some good ones and then there was some not so great ones at the beginning. Yeah, I had good times with, with a few of them, but... I felt like a lot of the times, like it didn't really grab me as like an entire experience. Like there were interesting puzzles, but when you were there sitting there with a the group, it just didn't have like that sort of atmosphere to the game. Like it didn't, never felt like it came together. Yeah, I think that's super accurate. Uh, it lacks narrative. There's like a theme to each one, but I don't think it strongly comes through. But I think largely that's because, at least for the first few, they introduce a lot of puzzles at once. It's one of the only escape room games on this list where you could play with five people and each person is doing a different thing that Mm -hmm. will contribute to the overall experience. And that's something I really enjoyed for the most part because I think there's a couple of exits uh, where the difficulty is actually quite high. Mm -hmm. And there are puzzles that I would never solve in a million years because my brain doesn't think that way. But someone in my group is more artistic than me or they're more creative or they're more logical and they understood what that puzzle was asking them to do i agree these can be quite hard compared to some of the other ones we've talked about already and that makes for a really enjoyable experience if that's what you're looking for but it is in some ways just a set of puzzles that feel quite detached from each other Mm. i would say there's a a large benefit to this exit series and a a large negative The, the benefit is that they use a really cool system for validating your answers Oh, the wheel. Yeah, yeah. The Vavel. Yeah, the Vavel. Obviously, I know that. Yeah, and it's a two-factor authentication wheel. It'll give you a card to go to. And when you go to that card and you identify the puzzle you're trying to solve on that card and you go to another card and at that point you get the answer if you're correct or not. Yeah, and this was first done in Exit Games and a lot of other games have now started using it as their uh, authentication system or their input system. And it works really well. I think, you know, there's a reason that Exit was popular when it first came out. The puzzles were hard and this thing was cool. And it still holds up today. 
those parts do for sure. Um, the, the, the negative I would say is that it is destructible. Mm -hmm. This isn't something we've talked about so far, but it's another huge aspect of all escape room games. Do they need the internet and are they one-time use? Those are like the two largest questions that you need to ask yourself every time you're playing an escape room game. And most of the exits, not all of them, but most of them are destructible. Yeah. I think if you read the first couple of blurbs in the exit instruction leaflet, it will tell you that this is a destructible game. I think the only ones we played that weren't destructible is because we carefully, again, made sure that we didn't have to destroy anything. And it's not just like popping cardboard pieces out or something. This is like, you need to tear this card in half and then look at it at a different way to get the answer to this. Yeah, I played this at work with my team as a team building exercise and at the end they were like, okay, let's pack it up and we'll we'll put it back on your shelf. And I'm like, no, this goes into recycling now. <laughs> we cut up so much of this game and they just couldn't grasp that it was, it was a one-time one experience. Yeah. For the price of $14, that's not the end of the world if you get enough joy out of it. Yeah, it wasn't mentioned because it's kind of, well, I guess it's not implied, but no internet connection needed no device you just need the box yeah is it a spin-off series maybe they're like adventure game yeah now? yeah exit adventures or something yeah. like that there's exit puzzles which is another spin-off which is you solve a jigsaw and then mm, that jigsaw right. puzzle gives you problems to solve and is a puzzle in itself which is interesting i haven't actually played that one they have the exit advent calendars now which is something that i'm interested in Sarah has played one and said she really liked it. Friend of the pod. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like progressive over a course of number of days, right? Yeah, 24 cool puzzles. 24 idea. distinct puzzles and solving the puzzle tells you which box to open the next day. Are they all for Christmas? Yeah, they're all Christmas-esque themed. Winter themed, right. at least. I guess you would never advent to something. It would be funny with like a birthday advent. Oh, calendar, that would be cool, like yeah. 24 days before your birthday. Mm -hmm. You could definitely play it whenever you wanted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You could play it all in one night. Yeah. If your birthday's on the 25th, great. <laughs> Exits are good. I, I would recommend if you haven't played a, a basic exit game, pick one up and try it. It might be exactly what you're looking for in an escape room board game. Mm -hmm. Next on the list. This is like the first escape room game that I think we played together. I would say this is one of the grandfathers of the escape room genre. Yeah. Do you remember the Chrono Decoder, AB? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> This was a good series. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is actually the cheapest series now. Really? Yeah. An individual box sells for $11. Right. Um, but you need base box. You don't anymore because now they have a, an app. Oh, an app. That okay. will uh, run the system for you. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. This series is Escape Room the Game. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the original game came with this fairly large plastic key device box and a set of keys with different shapes of teeth of the key yeah uh, and then each key has like a number a symbol a letter and solving puzzles will point to a symbol a letter or a number on a particular key once you have identified four keys in the right order you put it into the box it makes a fun sound if you get it right it makes a less fun sound if you get it wrong and that was the chrono decoder it had some morse code on the side of the box if you ever needed that but it was essentially just a timer and a validation device rolled into one and it ran the game for you yeah so upfront cost but i think there were like three or four scenarios in the base box anyway yeah four scenarios and it runs 40 bucks 
and you get the decoder, which is pretty good. These felt the cheapest to me, sadly. The component quality was so... The thinnest of paper. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the box was like a tuck box. Yeah. Yeah. It, which is fine. You know, these are meant to be played once, and if you are not passing them around a right, whole bunch of times... Right, because this one had some destructible elements. Yeah, this does have destructible elements. On the website, everything is provided. So if you ever want to reprint out a puzzle, mm -hmm. you can do that for free, which is great. Uh, and maybe that is why they're so cheap, is so that people can print them. It's nice that they do that, because like one of the best parts about escape rooms sometimes is just giving it to someone and they can go play. Yeah, and the puzzles were fine in these ones. They had some interesting things going on. The themes are generally well done. If a bit basic, like I think the first one's like Secret Agent, and I remember yeah. there was like a poison that you had to identify. Every most basic theme you can think of they've yep. done it generic western yep. <laughs> space mm. pirates the dentist <laughs> all right the dentist one <laughs> I remember. but it's good uh i was glad this was our introduction i was enamored by the chrono decoder just because i was wondering how forward thinking they were how many combinations of keys did they program to be successful for future games because you didn't like tell the decoder you were playing this scenario mm, you just right. put four keys in <laughs> and you hope yeah i do wonder if someone's put the wrong four keys in for their scenario but happens to be but the right for so many keys yeah there's probably like i don't think there's that many oh well, there's a lot of combinations but i think there's only like 16 different keys they have multiple copies of yeah but then for each time and then a different combination of which sure I don't think they'll run out. No, but Jim's saying it has to be pre-programmed which ones are correct because there's no way to No, influence. that's what I mean. They just have like thousands that are correct. But then you know? if you start your game and you put a correct set of keys in for oh, a different game, different game, it can't tell you it's correct. Oh, right. Which is probably why we, they went to the online system. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the online system just uses the keys. Oh, so it's the exact. It's well, so you so in the online system you, you don't tell them what scenario you're playing either. No, and you can choose to use the Chrono Decoder and those keys, or to go online and use the online Chrono Decoder and those keys. Hmm. So it's it's kind of fascinating how they've done it, and it might be the same code every single time. Yeah, I think I'm more interested <laughs> in like the design of this whole system and the Chrono Decoder than anything else in this game. What was the, oh, because it also kept track of time. Yeah, it gives you an That's hour. That's the chrono part. Right. And it deducts time when you get it wrong. But yeah, you, you can find these for 11 bucks and try them out without the decoder or you can get the whole four pack. They're not the best, but they're pretty fun to play. And I think we can recommend these ones. So our next game is unfortunately titled very similar to our previous game series. It is Escape the Room. <laughs> so we went from Escape Room the Game. This series is Escape the Room. And I did one of these, right? Yeah. Yeah. We haven't done many of these. They've only put out four. Right. They put two out quite early on, and they've taken a huge break, and now they put out two new ones recently. Once again, yeah. They use a Vavel yeah. as the input device. No two-factor authentication with this Vavel, though. It's put in, and then the symbols line up, mm -hmm. or the symbols don't line up, and you mm -hmm. get a little white circle or a little black circle and when the symbols line up you get to open an envelope and there's mm -hmm. a bunch of things in there and you solve the next puzzle yeah i remember this because it was like little self-contained envelopes of puzzles which is cool like it, it feels a little bit more like an, a real escape room where you're entering a new room mm -hmm. and you get given a new set of things which is kind of cool that's one of my favorite parts of a escape room like any not specifically of this one is like when you 
take out all the new puzzle components and you're like what is this what is this yeah a a physicality to it yeah which was great the puzzles are good in these they're worth playing a box is about 30 bucks and definitely gets you like an hour or two worth of playtime. they're not super difficult but they're all interesting i'm having real trouble remembering any puzzles in in these games there's a star puzzle there's a pipe puzzle there is a mirror puzzle (laughs) Yeah, so I'm not. Uh, I guess for me, I, I guess it's have not, no idea what those puzzles are. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it was a very memorable experience, but I do remember using the the vowel, mm-hmm. which was satisfying. Um, but yeah, one of the less memorable escape room games. But maybe because we played it so long ago. But there was that as well, because this was like our. I think we played one of them before um, our usual game time at the cafe. We would just break one out and play it. Yeah. I don't think these are the best puzzles, but it has a lot of things going for it. It is completely uh, non-destructible, so mm-hmm. you can pass it on as soon as you're done playing it. It's fairly inexpensive. It's l- pretty long. The puzzles aren't bad. Uh, they're not great either, but they're not bad. And it doesn't require internet to play. That's true. Since you're just going from one locked envelope to the next locked envelope, you can save anytime you want. Yeah, so that was Stargazer's Manor. They have kind of innovated a little bit in the last two that they've done. They've done uh, the dollhouse, which is kind of cool because it's a a large box. And when you open the box, it is a physical mini Mm. dollhouse. You look into each room, you get clues, and you try to solve various puzzles by looking around the dollhouse uh, and and pointing stuff out. Mm -hmm. We have not played that. Mm -hmm. It is a bit more expensive, like 50 bucks. But it's kind of cool to, like you said, more physicality and bringing like that ambiance of... A memorable experience onto the table. Yeah, I think I enjoyed this more than Escape Room, the game at its lowest point. I think the worst Escape Room, the game scenario is worse than Escape the Room scenarios. So lower lows is what you're saying? Yeah, I think both of the Escape the Room scenarios that we played were good. Mm. And there's a couple of Escape Room, the game scenarios that I thought were lacking in both puzzle quality and overall narrative yes i agree their most recent game is an office that you open up the box and it's like a physical office there's a dead person on the floor there's a bunch of file cabinets and a vault that needs to be opened so they're going for a very physical approach to these escape room Mm. games Mm -hmm. and i think that's at least unique in the Hmm. space where most things are just like a deck of cards or a booklet nowadays yeah and that was escape the room next up on the list might not even really be an escape room game at its heart, it is, but in some ways, this is kind of the most narrative-driven, simple escape room game that we've talked about so far. This is the Scooby-Doo escape room game. This is a murder mystery game, but to leave one room and go to the next, you do need to solve a puzzle. The puzzles, in general, are pretty easy, and it is definitely more of a family-weight game. You're going through the story, like an episode of Scooby-Doo, figuring out various things, and by the end of the game, you've solved maybe 10, 10 different puzzles, open 10 envelopes for 10 different rooms, which is kind of cool as you explore the mansion. You get to lay the map down in front of you and then find out who the murderer is at the end of the game. As our listeners would be well aware of, there are five main characters in Scooby-Doo, the franchise. Uh, We have Shaggy, Scooby, Daphne, Velma, and Fred. And uh, each character has their own booklet. Uh, and so as a group, you're controlling these individual characters and making decisions on their behalf and what to 
do next. Each character has a certain ability. Velma researches things. Fred examines things. Shaggy uses things, or maybe that's Daphne. Shaggy eats things. Oh, and Scooby smells things. Yeah. Basically, each thing you can interact with in a room on a room card has a two or three digit number on them. Uh, and each character has a one digit number. So uh, Velma it's, is number one. So if something you wanted to interact with is 207, then you add Velma's number if you want to interact with that item. Uh, with Velma, number one, with 207, you get 1207. You look that up in Velma's book and you see what happens when you interact with it. Yeah, this provides a ton of fun because, you know, one player is playing Shaggy who can eat anything in the house. Zoinks! So you'll get lots of different things, like there's a piano in the side of the room, and you, if you're Shaggy, you can walk up to the piano and try to eat it. Mm-hmm. And there'll be a little bit of text that says, like, this doesn't taste very good, I don't want to do this. Yeah. But every character can interact with every object, and you'll get a varying degree of responses from doing those actions. Yeah, and the puzzles come by way of the two-digit numbers. You're going to have to add an item to solve that puzzle and each item card has a single digit number associated to it so say a key has number seven and the puzzle is 21 velma uses a key on a door that would look up number 1721 you look it up in the book and i'll tell you congratulations you get through the door reveal the contents of the next envelope yeah i think this is generally made for families if your group likes to role play characters this could be really really fun Everyone can take a character and say all their lines that they would say. But it is fairly simple and it is more, yeah, of an experience than a challenging escape room game. Yeah, no online component to it. So that's good. Not destructible, Mm -hmm. even better. Can reset it. So just buy it and resell it if you want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or give it to another family uh, that they could play. And I will note if it matters to some people, the IP for this particular Scooby-Doo game is based on the Hanna-Barbera version of scooby-doo not not the newest not freddie prince jr <laughs> not the freddie prince jr <laughs> version of scooby-doo which is great you got freddie prince you mm. got sarah michelle geller tv's yeah. buffy you got matthew lillard yeah and i love the girl who plays daphne but i can never pronounce her name linda so Cardellini. yeah so yeah. i wasn't even gonna attempt it it is long is the one thing i would say it, it, it's gonna be at least two hours to finish this game mm-hmm. so there is a natural break in the middle where they say, hey, you can stop playing right now. Come back another night and finish it, which is great. I love when games do that. They tell you you're halfway. Do you want to keep playing? Um, but yeah, it, it is a longer game for sure. Wait, how much How much does this game retail for? $34. Okay. 34 bucks. It's totally worth it if you're okay with a, a lighter escape room game that is story-based and about Scooby-Doo. I haven't played this next one. Jim has... Hey guys, Uh, Escape Tales come in, I think there's like three of them now, and they're all fairly mature in themes. So the first one is about a person who is in a coma, and you're going through their dreams slash nightmares about what has happened, and I think it has a very occult theme to it. And the second one is about a tech mogul in the future whose place gets ransacked, and they're going through their own memories on what played out because you can in this futuristic world you can record and erase memories like a videotape i think there was a black mirror episode that's very similar so escape tales is kind of both an escape room game well it is an escape room game as much as 
a narrative storytelling game because the point of this is to play it out in sequential kind of story order there's chapters so to speak each page is a different scenario to go through like a puzzle on each page several puzzles on each page the weird thing to this is that it does try to be a bit like time stories so time is of the essence of this game and you're not measured by actual time you're measured by action points so you will lay out the room that you're in across two cards in a grid and each card had could have a number on it and you look in the book up that number and that's you basically investigating that part of a room which could be a puzzle in which case you would have to spend like an action point to solve that puzzle what this highlights is you could well escape a room without doing all of the puzzles you could get lucky with your first couple of investigation action points figure out exactly where the key is metaphorically what the key is usually it's something what's the validation on this one app or uh the validation i'm pretty sure was in the book itself or a card uh, it, I'm, I'm fairly certain it didn't require internet connectivity, but it has been a while since I, I played the series. Overall, the puzzles were pretty approachable, but the game as it lays out, and I can't stress this enough, is designed in a way that it doesn't want to show you everything to the point mm-hmm. where there's multiple endings to each game. And depending on which puzzles you attempt to solve and how you solve them, or if you even solve them, you would get a different ending every time you play. So it's meant to be replayable or you probably wouldn't replay it? It's meant to be replayable. For me personally, I'm not a type of person who wants to replay the same scenario over and over again, even if it leads to a different outcome. I'm just going to... I used to be like that with my video games. I'd want to play every single story route in a given game. But now I just role play as myself and I would pick the answer my character is and the game would pick and deal with the consequences unless it's death and i died in the first couple uh, first game a few times um then i'd restart because i want to get to the natural conclusion but i think there was like three or four natural conclusions to the first game of varying happiness values and i think i got like the second to worst do you think this is the game that is most story driven yeah easily this is a game that's trying to tell a story through puzzles it's time stories with more emphasis on actual puzzles. Like you couldn't argue that the puzzles aren't puzzles in this game. Right. There's enough that the heart of this is really solving those obstacles ahead of you to get to the next part of the story. That sounds cool. I mean, I like Scooby-Doo, but I'm not generally big on narrative escape room games. You like Scooby-Doo, but how do you feel about child possession? (laughs) I'm not big on child possession. But yeah, I mean, it sounds like an interesting take. I think being unique in this space is important. And I'm glad that there is someone trying to do something, focusing on stories and giving you a unique ending, but still keeping the escape room feel alive with the puzzles. If it comes to Halloween and you don't want to deal with trick-or-treaters and you want to just switch off your lights, have a few friends over and do a scary escape room, I think the first Escape Tales, The Awakening, is, is up there for a great experience for you on that day. Yeah, again, for mature audiences, but otherwise very approachable. And there'll be someone in your group that wants to get led to the perfect ending or the worst ending. And so you can just hand it off to them and they can go off and do it themselves. Yeah. And for 35 bucks, non-destructible and no internet needed. Seems like a great experience. Yeah. I think 
the next series in our list is probably our most played and our most enjoyed. Most owned, too. Yeah. yeah. I think well, between us, we probably have all of them. Yeah. And I think this is only rivaled by Exit as far as how they try to evolve their game, but not try to overextend the game system. And that series is Unlock. What's interesting is they always seem to find something a little bit new or a little bit like a new fresh take on on things. They did do something similar to Exit Ones where they have a series of more uh, narrative ones. Um, and yeah, the, the, which is a departure from the beginnings of the series where it was more like escape room puzzles and so on. There are a couple that are like narrative driven now. Mm-hmm. When we first started playing escape room games, there was two flagship models, Exit and Unlock. And I feel like they've both continued and are both great, but Unlock decided we're going to have the app and it's going to be a large component of our game. Let's lean into that. Mm-hmm. And Exit said, we're having no app. It's going to be destructible. Let's lean into that. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to see where both have gone. Yeah, because new Exits aren't anything like old Exits and new Unlocks aren't anything like old Unlocks. And it's really exciting to see them evolve in the space. I just like innovation. And the last few Unlocks have been so innovative given their constraints, which is, as mentioned, we talked about a game, uh, a second game in this list that was just a deck of cards. Unlock is a deck of cards. Um, It's not like a traditional deck of cards, but it is a deck of cards with a number on the back of each card or a letter. The starting card will give you an indication of what other cards are pertinent to solving this room. You'll go through those cards, find out which ones you need, lay them out on your table, and start solving largely image-based puzzles. Yeah, like the the rooms are generally... Uh, one card but then all the different objects will be other cards in the room yeah yeah one of the validation things isn't actually to do with the app which is really you can take red objects and blue objects and combine them together and then you can find that card in the deck and Mm -hmm. and reveal it so that's one main thing but in each major room in the game you're kind of looking for a solution to like enter into the app yeah, and that would be indicated by the two main ways of validation on the app. The first is the yellow cards, which indicate that this is an actual puzzle that has a code at the end of it that you need to input in the app to progress on. Uh, and the other type is the green cards, which are machines, which will do something once you figure out how to use them. Maybe it interacts with a card to reveal a number re- relative to the next card that you need to pull. Or maybe it is it leads you to the answer to a four-digit code. Yeah, and the machines are wildly different from game to game. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, sometimes they're the worst part of the experience because it's maybe just like a, a mini game where you tap the screen a bunch of times. Uh, but sometimes they're by far the most interesting part of the puzzle-solving experience. Yeah. They also managed to grab some of the largest IPs known to man. You've got Star Wars Unlock, which we played through. I didn't appreciate it because I had no idea what I was doing. But it was good. It was good? Yeah, it was good. Star Wars Unlock's good. I don't think you need to know that much Star Wars lore. No. You can still solve all the puzzles. Yeah. And if you do know Star Wars, they're even better because there's some, yeah, some Some funny little Easter eggs. Yeah. I think my favorite theme was the Alice in Wonderland one. Yeah, that was a really good one. Yeah, that's quite hard, but it was Mm -hmm. a, a very good one for sure. They have moved to the model of where previously they were doing one room per box. They've Mm -hmm. moved to a model where there's three rooms in every box now, 
which is kind of nice because it allows them to put larger components into these yeah. boxes instead of fitting into the little tiny box yeah they'll have like a map sometimes or like a log book uh which can make the game a little bit more interesting yeah it is impressive how much they've done with just like a deck of cards yeah well some of your favorite innovations from the unlock series well wouldn't they be spoilers no really. a lot of times you're wondering about okay you can kind of see the components when you open the box but they usually use it in a di- way, the way that really mm-hmm. defies your your expectation like my favorite is is usually when you discover some some combination between the app and the and the cards mm-hmm. yeah uh one of my favorite things was when we were playing one of the unlocks at a convention and i usually hate playing unlock well not hate i usually prefer playing unlock solo but in this p- particular scenario the game encouraged you to split into two teams and try to work on things and eventually you would interact with one another through limited means but um i thought that was a neat spin on a game value and that was a very early one yeah that yeah, was a very early series. one mm-hmm. they started yeah. innovating really early yeah which was good to see because i was really worried i would just be connecting red cards to blue cards and mm-hmm. that was that was the gimmick and it's good to note completely non-destructible you can pass this on right away after you've played it uh you do need the internet but they are they're great to pass on to, to other people to play they are starting a new line called short adventures where they're going back to the single box, but they take about 30 to 45 minutes. I think they've kind of realized they've lost that supermarket one-time buy to get people into the system. Mm -hmm. And so they're trying to make a product that is for the more new players that has like a cool theme that gets you to buy it, very cheap price tag, and then hopefully you'll buy a larger box down the line. Mm -hmm. Highly recommended, if it wasn't clear. Highly recommend the Unlock games. Personally, anyway, AB hates them. No, they're the the best ones, I think. And technically the cheapest if you buy their new... Or single pack, single short pack. ones, yeah. Yeah. But even before, like, the single packs were, like, 17... Very cheap, yeah. Somewhere in there. They're 11 bucks now for the, right. for the single pack, which is great. And if you're ever interested in board game design, I would almost try to play this chronologically to just see how they took a very limited escape room framework and evolved it over time without having to add gimmicks or anything. It's... It's really cool to see. Now, if you thought Escape Room the Game, Escape the Room the Game were confusing enough, here's a third one thrown right at you. Escape Room in a Box. Aren't they all Escape Rooms in a Box? <laughs> yeah. But this is the Escape Room Oh, in a I box. see, I see. I think we've only played one of these. There's only three that have come out. We might have played two. I can't quite remember. Yeah, I don't think we're making more. Yeah, so Escape Room in a Box is pretty self-explanatory. Everything is presented to you in the box. And and I would say this is the most tactile of all the escape rooms on this list. It's not just a book. It's not just a bunch of cards. It's a bunch of things. Yeah, even more than that, there are physical locks on containers where, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of other games need to use an app or, you know, a paper wheel to input your codes into a lock. I mean, I can't do air quotes on the podcast, but <laughs> a, lock. a so-called lock. Uh, this has physical locks that you're spinning the, you know, the digits on the lock to input a, a digit code. Or I think one of them has uh, letters on it that you can put in as yeah, well. Which is great. If there's one person in your group that you really don't like, you just tell them, go play with the lock, spin it until you get the right number. Perfect. So that's really cool and does, you know, make it more physical, make it more like a real escape room game. And there are some unique puzzles that this game can do that no other game can do. Mm-hmm. But it means that they're 
well, I mean, every escape room game is one-time use, but it's it's yeah. So the, uh, we're being vague because we don't want to spoil it for you if you if you do find a copy of this game because I like it's up here. Is we're getting to the tail end of a podcast. It's one of the more expensive ones. It's one of the more harder to find ones. It sounds. Yep. Uh, what 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 are we talking retail cost at the great people board game bliss? Forty five bucks. Forty five. Again, the components of this is as close to an escape room experience as you're going to get out of any of the games on this list. Not to say it's exactly like that, but um, it's fair. Yeah, it's good. It's got a lot of, I would call a lot of these things gimmicks, but that is what an escape room is in real life. It's a lot of funny puzzles that are sometimes just more about interacting with components than actually doing anything that feels like you're smart you know yeah yeah as robin put it but how i wouldn't put it he said it's a bunch of gimmicks i would say it's a bunch of gimmicks uh because it is really the game that i felt when we solved something or when we discovered something it was like aha or oh my god they did this and it was just like the thrill of discovering something is much higher in this game than any other game on this list actually between this game and the next game on our list and that is Escape Room in a Box. Our next game is a weird one, to say the least. Mm-hmm. It's weird because we live in Canada. This game is a Target exclusive game. You can buy it only at Target if you live in the United States. And you can buy it only at Board Game Bliss if you live in Canada. Mm. Which is kind of strange that yeah. no other retailer carries it. The game is called Box One. It's a Escape Room game made for one player by Neil Patrick Harris. It retails $65 at Board Game Bliss. And it re- retails at $25 USD from Target in the States. Oh, so exact exchange. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So you do save a little bit of money if you drive down to the States and you buy it there, which is kind of cool. It's like a little, you know, treasure hunt. You're going. Yeah. Did going you to, do that? I did. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Did you declare it on the way back? Yeah, for I sure. Box one by New Patrick Harrison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would recommend not buying this for $65. I don't think it's worth it. But at half that price, I think it is a good experience. So this is a escape room game that does require the internet, but is non-destructible and is one that, like Jim said, really does feel like an escape room experience. Mm-hmm. Without spoiling too much, the game is pretty meta. Uh, it starts as one thing and it turns into this whole other experience in of itself. And um, it's a fun treat. I enjoyed this way more than I did, especially after playing the first five to ten minutes of it where i was like is this it but then everything changes and i i I should have probably been aware of that will there be a box two i don't know (laughs) yeah the the implication once you complete it is there might be a box two but as of time of recording 2023 i would say this was really targeted towards the pandemic era being able to get this game and playing it in your own home makes you feel connected to the outside world still it is one of the most immersive experiences out of this list of games like everything else tries to lean into like high fantasy themes or retelling of famous stories this one or making you some kind of fantastic superhero or super spy this one is acknowledging that you're a person playing an escape room game here's the journey you take through it and i think that's very personal and appeals to a lot of people during when this game was sold. I think what you said is right. Like it's going to appeal to a lot of people, but not everyone. The puzzles are not hard or they're not that hard. At least if you've played eight 
exit rooms or unlocks and you really enjoyed them because of the difficulty of the puzzles, this game might not be for you. It's not brain burny or anything like that. There are some difficult parts for sure, but it's more targeted at someone that is looking for that escape room style experience in a board game. And I think it delivers on that. To a point where it's barely a a board game. Yeah, it's (laughs) almost more of an experience. Yeah. We have a running joke when we get disappointed in something that claims to be a board game. We just... It's an activity. Yeah, we sarcastically... That was a fine activity. This is an activity, but in the purest sense of the word as opposed to a derogatory inflection to it. It's an activity in a good way. Okay, may have to try it. Yeah, we we should prefix this whole episode with the fact that like Robin and I in particular are really into escape rooms and murder mysteries and narrative storytelling games. So we want to try it all. And Box One, at least to us, is a very unique experience that if you're in a similar like-minded way, who as a person who likes to see how puzzles are presented, then Box One is a very important game to play. Yeah, and I just love board games being exciting. And showing this to someone and saying, try this out, look what board games can be. You know, the, the, the people I played with it the very first time just said, I didn't know a board game could do this. Mm. And it was like, yeah, this is cool. And more board games should be doing things like this or more products should be coming out that are giving these, you know, these kind of experiences. Seeing people be surprised and excited by a board game is, you know, even if it's not a true board game, yeah. it's, it's cool. Uh, one last thing about this, on the box it says one player, but if you're okay with easy puzzles being solved by three people even easier, it's okay to play with more than one. Mm-hmm. And I generally preferred it yeah, hmm. because I could have just solved all the puzzles by myself, but it wouldn't have been a very fun game. The experience of showing it to another player and having them solve the puzzles was even better. Mystery House is another escape room style game that tries to do something really ambitious and that is to create the room that you're going to be trying to escape within the box itself so the game is the box and a whole bunch of cards that you peg into the box to create a three-dimensional room in which you can only see what you literally see so at the start of the game you build the four walls of your room as well as uh, any details on the inside. But you can't quite penetrate inside. Basically, the rules of a game is what you can see is what you can kind of approach and interact with. So for the scenarios we played, that first puzzle is how do we get into the room that we're supposed to be solving puzzles for? And each card that's used as a wall has a dimensional coordinate and maybe some features on said cards. Uh, You then open the app and you plug in the coordinate that you want to interact with. It'll give you a list of things that could turn up on that card. You select what's the most relevant and it'll give you a prompt on, oh, you found this item, take it with you. Or there's this puzzle that you need to solve and this will surely open the door. And when you get to a point where a door opens, that's merely removing cards from this three-dimensional structure that you've created and then the parts that you can interact with are then limited to what else you can see so now you're looking through the box at different angles and whatever you can see on the inside of these cards is what you can interact with it's a really cool concept but the puzzles themselves as well as the themes and the way the app is handled i would say 
just don't pay off enough to make the experience something I think we can recommend. This comes in at a whopping $55 Canadian. And we see what it's trying to do. It's like, you can only see what you can interact with and we're going to create this real 3D space for you to interact with. Some games, you know, Chronicles of Crime uses augmented reality to try to create this three-dimensional space. This game just hands it to you, tells you to set it up and play with it. Yeah, it starts you off on a Where's Waldo goose chase, kind of, where you're just looking at various things, which for the first five minutes is pretty fun, but then gets pretty tedious as it gets darker and darker and harder to see what you're looking at. Oh, like, technically I can see this card, but I have to really strain my head so I can look at it at a very precise angle, and it's so dark in there that I don't know if that's like a vase or a small woman. Yeah, so we stacked this game on like seven board games. Yeah, I think so that's the best way to do it. Level. <laughs> mm. And then spun it so we could look at different things. Yeah, it is weird too. Being able to even see in the room is not possible at the same time as another player. So really only one person is interacting with each side of the box. And it's not like every single side has something interesting going on. It does for the first five minutes, but then as soon as you start opening rooms inside yeah. the middle of the box only one player can actually access the view of those rooms. And largely the puzzles were either too easy or... Didn't feel logical. Yeah, magnificently obtuse is how I would describe it. And I do wonder if, to be fair, the designers of the game aren't native speakers, right? True. Because I think it also, each scenario tries to give you a overarching narrative as well. Um, But it was very loose and simplistic the writing is probably the worst out of all of the games in this list however if you want to try something a bit unique visual clues are what drives this experience as opposed to logical puzzle solving this might be for you um it just wasn't a hit for neither robin myself or sarah yeah I think if you're a completionist, if you're like us and you're, you want to play every version of the escape room games, this is worth playing. You know, it is different enough that it doesn't feel like anything else. But if you just want to have a, a fun escape room experience, don't play this. Go buy an unlock, go buy an exit. Uh, those will give you a much more rewarding experience and, and a less frustrating one. I would be very surprised if this ends up becoming a big hit. I would just like to say Jim and I have been playing things that we can't really call escape room games, but they're not narrative games exactly. Yeah. So we really want to end on a really positive note. And we had just discovered, it's not really a series of games. It's by the same publisher, but Mm -hmm. they're standalone puzzle driven narrative Narrative games games is how they would describe it. And I think that's very accurate, even though... Uh, A few people in our group did not love the narrative aspect. So at worst, it's a puzzle activity, Mm -hmm. but it is probably the best puzzle game I've ever played. The game we're talking about is The Light in the Mist. It's a a deck of tarot cards where 22 cards in the deck are puzzles and the rest of the cards are ways to solve those puzzles. The major arcana and the minor arcana. If you're into tarot... I'm certainly not, but this game taught me a lot about it. (laughs) Yeah. There's a book that goes along with it, which tells a story. Each time Mm -hmm. you solve one of the 22 puzzles, you 
read a passage from the story. This is another game that's just a deck of cards, kind of like Deckscape is. But the way that this one functions for an input system is that it's just a word. Every, every solution is a word. And the coolest part is that because they're all a major arcana, so it might be something like death or the moon, uh, the word is related to that card. And when you find the word, you're very sure you have the right answer because it relates right. so strongly to the card. And I think that's such a cool way to do it. You know, hmm. I never really had to check the solutions to see, oh, is this word correct? It made so much sense. And I think that's really the only part of it that you might need internet connectivity for. It's, if you're stuck, there's probably forums, I think, on the official site that give you hints. They do, yeah. Yeah, but otherwise it's a standalone deck of cards, tarot cards. Uh, each tarot card is also multi-use, so they fit more than one puzzle. And so keying in on those visuals to what's important for a particular puzzle is a puzzle in itself. It's a Kickstarter game, we should say, so it is quite hard to find now. It is expensive. You can order it from the official website if you're in America mm -hmm. or anywhere else willing to pay the shipping cost. And they do have more games coming mm -hmm. out each year. I've started playing one, but I haven't played enough of it to really give a accurate review of it. So far, I don't like it as much, unfortunately. I will say, okay, so even with the narrative aspect, which I think is personally fine, but Robin and a couple people in our group personally loathe I'll say the puzzles in this game are probably both the smartest while achievable. I think I worked exactly how much I want to work for a puzzle and managed to figure out most of the solutions. I think there was one particularly easy puzzle and one particularly hard puzzle that I thought were the maximum and minimum of what I could tolerate. But otherwise, the puzzles were very good, very different and thoroughly enjoyable. Yeah. And the reason we don't call this an escape room game is because there's no time limit and you can do the puzzles in any order. Yeah. Mostly there is one starting puzzle and one ending puzzle, but most of the game is just free flow. And a lot of people just play like one a day mm -hmm. or a couple in a sitting and then just play a couple days later. An advent calendar of something is exciting for you on the 23rd day of the month. Yeah, exactly. We've been talking about this game so much, I'm starting to get ads for the next Kickstarter. Really? That's crazy. The next mm. Kickstarter is a puzzle book that is set in a board game factory. Yes. I, I'm... Robin hates it. I can tell. I'm just not sure. Like, this product I really, really love. Mm -hmm. And there's something about it being a physical deck of cards that everything is contained within that physical deck. And I can give it to someone and they can play all the puzzles. No problem. I really love that. Their, their other stuff is a bit more envelopes filled with random doodads that solve puzzles and i'm not sure i like that as much but they are technically more escape roomy than this is so anyway if you if you love escape rooms and you're willing to spend a bit more money these are options of things to check out and if you are thinking about going into those like a little bit more niche products for the puzzle genre the light in the mist is something that i would highly recommend one more thing is that i just picked up journal 29 which is a puzzle book game that I'm going to start playing. I don't know if it will be good or not. Jim's already started a little bit, but we'll uh, come back with our thoughts on that when we're a little bit deeper into it. Do we do we want to say what our preferred escape room game yeah, is? Yeah, let's, uh, let's go. Maybe. Out of the what, list of series. Oh, unlock. Unlock. I mean, I think it's the best choice. I own all the unlock. You own pretty much all the unlock. Pretty much all of them, yeah. It's non-destructible, which is the biggest thing for me. The fact that you can give it to other people makes it the ideal choice to own. 
and mm-hmm. to buy. Recency bias. If we're counting line of a mist, it's line of a mist for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Easily. Yeah, I, I think I agree. I don't know how many more light in the mists I could do. Like, if they put one out a year, I think, well, maybe not. Maybe I just keep playing them. I think it's actually going to be in line of the Escape the Room series style of board games. I think they're going to try something completely different each time they release something, and they're going to be wildly hit or miss. Yeah, I agree. Line of the Mist, massive hit for me. So, yeah, definitely my favorite. Yeah, for me, it's those two. You know, it's Unlock and Light in the Mist. I think if I was a new player saying, I've never played an escape room game before, what should I play? Maybe box one if you're really new, but generally I would say go play on Unlock. They're great. They're always fun. They're completely replayable. Yeah, I just don't think they're very great at more than two. (laughs) So if you have a group of people who want to play an escape room game, I would point them towards an easier exit than an Unlock and just be like... It's just it's fully destructible. Just come to peace with that. Just just right. no. Come to peace with it. Then pay fifteen dollars and acknowledge that's the price. It's cheaper than a movie ticket here. Have fun for an hour or two. Yeah. And then just put in the recycling bin. I agree. Exit's also really, really good for that. But if it's a experienced board gamer and they're like, what is the best puzzle game you can offer me? Deckscape. <laughs> I think it's mm-hmm. a light in the mist. It is a light in the mist. And yeah. I mean, I would personally recommend not reading the story, but Jim would. And to different people, that's going to be hit or miss. So it's hard mm-hmm. to say whether or not to do that. But the puzzles are great. The art is amazing. Yeah. And just as a product, it's really cool. So that's been the Discard Piles a journey through the different escape room systems and board gaming today. We hope to hear from you on our Discord server about your thoughts on your favorite escape room games and perhaps drop a line on what some of your favorite aha moments are or what series in particular you just can't stop buying. That's all for Jim, Amy, and Robin. See you next time. If there's something we haven't played, please tell us. Like, it's... If there's something we haven't played that you really enjoy yeah. and think it's like top of the heap. Or interesting. You don't need yeah. to enjoy it, but if they did something different that you think is worth playing, worth mm. acknowledging and playing, Ben, let us know. We've gone to the point where all the escape room games left are rated very poorly <laughs> and we don't want to play them just to confirm that they're very bad. But we will if you don't recommend us games. <laughs> That's an ultimatum. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, let us know what you think and thanks for listening. It's a puzzle book. I will, I'll give up narrative, sure. but it's a puzzle book. It can be a puzzle book. Yeah. I 100% agree with what that. What I mean is it's, it's not the coolest Escape puzzle book. Game. Yes, it, it's, it's the coolest puzzle book I've ever seen. Yeah. Because it's not a book. Yes. It's, yeah. it's a thing. It's a puzzle system. Yeah, it's a puzzle system. Yeah. Oh, you should play this game, maybe. It's the one you, you gave back it. to us. You oh, that it. one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think it's an escape room game. Jim is against me. That's I'm fine. against you in that this is an escape room game, but it's it's one of the best things ever created in this space, but it's... Uh, I class it with Journal 29. I agree. Okay, I agree yeah. with you 100% yeah. on that. It's almost... No, it's not quite info dump. 
Isn't it? No, no, yeah. it's it's not info yeah. dump because they're they're individual puzzles. Yeah, but I don't think it's an escape room game. Sure, it doesn't have to be. Could you follow other like narrative driven games? He doesn't want to because <laughs> the story is actually pretty oh. bad. But I, he actually told me not to even read the story. If <laughs> you read the story, <laughs> if you were ever an angsty fourteen year old with. Like, I wrote down, I did not resonate with yeah, this story. If you were an mm. uh, angsty 14-year-old with problems at home, you're probably going to get something out of the story. I hate you, Ron. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. TV's Doogie Hauser. I don't know who that is. TV's Barney Stinson. I watched all of that twice, so I'm really invested. They're all horrible people on that show. And 3.0, yeah, Terminus to get 3.0. I think <laughs> yeah, officially, well, not really. 2.0, well, if you count the like, yeah, the Terra Mystica 5. expansions, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, sure. Wait, which ones are you counting? Terra, would... Terra Mick Mystica, was that the one? Terra Nova, I was counting Terra uh, Nova, Terra oh, Nova 0.5, the mini Terra. Mystica. <laughs> yeah, Jim, Jim's referring to Clans of Caledonia, which oh. is we've jokingly called Terra Mac Mystica. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. I used to write Scooby-Doo fan fiction when I was in elementary school. <laughs> I don't think for you're my, supposed to... For my creative writing class. Admit these things. Yeah. Why? Scooby-Doo is great. So... It's Tony the Tiger. I don't know what that is. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, we also... Great customer service as well. Do Does have... Bruno still work there? Bosco? Bosco. Does I think Bosco he still owns it? it. Does Bosco still own it? I believe so. Yeah, great guy, Bosco. <laughs> You're just going to... Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I miss Eleanor. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Was Eleanor the... One of the people emailing back. Yeah. And we didn't find it very hard, unfortunately. No. But we're smart people. So... <laughs> I, can, I can and I will. Okay. Um, For validating your answers. Oh, the wheel. Yeah, yeah. The Vavel. Yeah. yeah. The Vavel? Is that what? Vavel. I've never heard the name word. for yeah. the, the oh, paper wheel. Very cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. The Vavel. Obviously, I, I know that. Did you ever tell you about the like one where you're where you're thinking about that you would never think about the that solution because it's not the way for you think right. yes yeah. yeah for exit did you ever tell the story of like i had a friend that as a family like him and his wife and uh, a couple of a couple other people and friends like went to escape room and they had a great time like he he was amazed how how good it was like an actual physical escape room so then he goes to work and he has to like plan this little like work party for his team and they're all software engineers and so they're like oh we should go to an escape room like go go check out the escape room and they couldn't make it out because not <laughs> nobody <laughs> thought differently <laughs> everybody thought in the exact same way anyway that's what i think about <laughs> yeah. yeah i would say like three or four of these series i would only play by myself because i know i could solve it Right. But I would never play an exit solo. Yeah. 
they'll just throw something at me where I have to like identify patterns and I would just get lost. Or anything that requires me to change my view. Not not like my opinion. <laughs> change my view. <laughs> yeah. But like I won't do it. If yeah. I have to look at something for a mirror or if I have to like adjust my angle of looking at a card, that is very hard for me. Physically moving. Yeah. Jim will not do it. Um, but yeah, that doesn't take internet oh, either. Oh, that's why there's 24 days. Yes. <laughs> okay. It's like, why not 30? 24 days. Uh, and those are about $50. It's like Discord Pile discovers Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Rot Row Shaggy, that's <laughs> correct. Yeah, this is the Scooby-Doo escape room game. Don't include that. I could get sued. It's uh, Escape Room Tales. Nope. Escape Tales. <laughs> it's escape a... the Room Tales. Fucking <laughs> names. Yeah. That's right. It's a the game. The Tales Escape the Game. What you got there, AB? A little Chipotle? Oh. Chipotle. Didn't know they delivered out here. In the, in the womps. Trying to hide your location? Yeah. That makes sense. So my strata... Good evening, weary traveler. You find yourself at a... Crossroads? No, that's for our Crossroads episode. Oh, okay. Games that use a Crossroads mechanism. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what's that word? Dilapidated house? A rundown house. What do you call that? Dilapidated. Dilapidated. You should do this intro. You can pronounce words. Good evening, weary travelers. You find yourself locked in a dilapidated house with three podcasters. That's right. You're listening to the Discord. Discard pile. So close to Discord. Right. BGG calls it murder mystery, which yeah. is why. Because they're lazy, yes. Robin. I agree. They're there lazy. needs to be a better word for this. They're actually not lazy. Isn't there like a bajillion subcategories mm, now. There's like a hundred and something. Yeah, they're not lazy. They're just... It's hard. It's hard to it's label difficult. things. And people get mad at you. Yes. For any decision yes. you make. Yeah, and any BGG. change you make and on BGG. Who cares? There's you're an internet person. No one should care about your opinion if you're an internet person. And that's my hot take for the day. We're internet people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to a two-person uh, board gaming <laughs> podcast and a one-person eating ASMR in the background. Yeah. Uh, yep. It's a nice mukbang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Audio mukbang. Some people won't know what that is. And that's okay. That's fine. 